0: Thank God for those who are listening to this by podcast or watching on LiveGate Outreach TV. You are always welcome and we appreciate God for your lives and the testimonies that you do share with us from time to time about how these messages do reach you and bless you as well. May the Lord continue to perfect all that concerns you in the mighty name of Jesus. I am so glad that today we are starting our kingdom season of our covenant season of kingdom prosperity. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. The Covenant Season of Kingdom Prosperity is our last quarter uh, series or our last couple of month series for this year, and uh, we want to thank God because God has given to this church a very vibrant and a very rich vision objectives to raise with Him and for Him a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity. And in the variants that we go through our messages. These vision objectives continue to come through and we want to thank God because from now to the end of the year we'll be looking at a series on kingdom prosperity which is our fourth vision objective and so I truly want to encourage you to stay plugged in as I would always do and uh, I want to say that the Lord would continue to richly bless you as you do so in Jesus name. So we are starting today the series on uh, the kingdom prosperity key of learning. Somebody say the kingdom prosperity key of learning. Amen. You see, we will be looking at some keys. Keys are so important. How many of us know how frustrating it is when you are standing before a door or your car or a room or somewhere and you just don't have the key? You forgot the key somewhere or it's missing. You know how frustrating it can be. You know that is the door. You know what you are about to get inside it, but somehow there is no access because the key is not there. This is how kingdom prosperity operates. Like many principles of scripture, kingdom prosperity operates on the basis of keys. And we cannot exhaust those keys till Jesus comes. We will keep learning them. But we're going to go through a few in the course of the next few weeks. And I just want to trust God that as the Lord will be leading us in these themes, he will help us to gain understanding in Jesus name. So the Kingdom Prosperity Key of Learning is what we are starting with. We have a banner today which I prepared um, just as something I was looking to just show what learning does. Of course, in our day and age, maybe a few years ago, we would have had somebody reading a book and uh, shouting revelation or something like that in that um, depiction. But uh, these days, we're all very much digital, uh, and um, so it's quite apt to typify it with a laptop or something similar. But the key thing there is that in the search for information and in the encounter with information, knowledge is born. And when knowledge is born, revelation is born. And when revelation is born, there is a transformation. Hallelujah. And so there is a change. There is a joy. Learning frees us up. That's why Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, do like that, sets me free, <laughs> hallelujah, have you ever encountered something that you, has been confusing you for so long and suddenly it comes clear to you and you go, yeah, I got it, hallelujah, that is what information does, but it comes in a place of applying ourselves constantly and conscientiously to the process of learning, hallelujah, And so we want to thank God for that. I want to just quickly say that um, kingdom prosperity, as I've defined many times in this place, is not so much of what the world thinks about what prosperity is. I have heard a lot of criticisms in the recent times about the message of prosperity being an ungodly message, being a message that is from the devil, and so on and so forth. How the church has missed her roots. In understanding, the Bible says that Jesus came and exchanged exchange his poverty so that through his poverty we might become rich. Everything about the kingdom of God is about kingdom wealth. Now, the problem is the definition of what prosperity is. It's not so much that it is a wrong concept, but how it is defined is what makes it right or wrong. Kingdom prosperity is always about having enough of God's provision to fulfill every God given assignment. This is what kingdom prosperity is. As long as God puts a place, a person in a place, and he says, this is the land, till it. Those of you that were here on Wednesday, I was sharing with you how God put Adam in the garden that that was in the east of Eden. The garden that was in the east of Eden. And in that place, God, in Genesis 2.15, put him there, and the Bible says, tend and keep it. So the work he was doing was not to produce anything. The verses, before chapter 2, verse 1 to 14, talks about all the things that God had already put in the garden. The trees were there. The herbs were there. The animals were there. The river that kept it flourishing was there. He was just a custodian to tend and keep it. So he was to enjoy the kingdom prosperity as it were, not so much out of his sweat. Praise the Lord but rather out of his being in the place that God has put him, just tending and keeping, just serving. Hallelujah. And so we must understand that this is the purpose of prosperity. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, the Bible says, let's read that together. It should be on the screen very shortly. Let's go together. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you... Always having all sufficiency in all things. May what? Have an abundance for what? Good work. Abundance for holidays. Abundance for food. Abundance for enjoyment. Abundance for kingdom service. In every good work. Anything good. Hallelujah. This is what it is. God is able to make all grace. There are different kinds of graces. That is why the Bible says all grace. Not one type of grace. There is a grace that you marry. Somebody married one in this church. That is, that is, that is, that is not a part of the package we are talking about. <laughs> I just looked at her and that came to me. But you know what? There is a grace to perform something. There is a grace to enjoy. How many people have seen people who have something that they can enjoy, but they, they can't enjoy it? Eh? Have you seen a rich person, very, very rich person, who you would think should be enjoying life, but he's telling you every day that I'm in trouble. My life is in trouble. And you are like, what is wrong with you? That means there is a grace that is lacking. That is not a prospered person. That's not the prosperity we're talking about. All grace gives you all things. Everything makes abound toward you that you will always, somebody say Always. Always in the Garden of Eden, there were four rivers called Pishon, Gihon, Hedekel, and Euphrates. God released these four rivers to water the garden that he had planted man. So there was always a supply. When the Psalmist came later on and he got a revelation, he said that you have put me by the rivers of living waters. And so my leaves wither not always... This is what kingdom prosperity is, a connection to the source that makes it impossible for the enemy to deny you of anything that can allow you to have every good work performed. Hallelujah. He said, you will always have all sufficiency. Now, you need to have all these things in context. The devil has robbed the believer generation of today and replaced it with all kinds of things. People think it's all about making some kind of money or just amassing some kind of wealth at the expense of their soul. So you find a lot of people doing just anything about anything possible to do in order to just create this kind of wealth. God said to Joshua, there is a principle. There is a book of the law that I am giving to you. You meditate on it day and night, and you observe to do all that is according to written, written therein. Then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have what good success. That's Joshua chapter one verse eight. And so we need to understand: this kingdom prosperity is not about amassing earthly wealth and possessions without the salvation of the soul. Mark eight thirty six. The Bible says, what will it profit a man if he what? Gains the whole world and does what? Loses his own soul. You will not lose your soul. I say you will not lose your soul in the name of Jesus. The reality of it is that God wants us to have a holistic prosperity. A prosperity of the soul. Third John chapter 2. A prosperity in our body. A prosperity in our health. A prosperity in our flesh. A pro- that is in our body. A, a prosperity in our economics or finances. Let's read third John 2 together. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in what? All things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. You see the word all keeps coming. All, all. All grace abound towards you so that always having all sufficiency will be able to abound unto every good work. And he said, beloved, I pray that you prosper in how many things? All things. And be in health even just as your soul prospers. So the soul prosperity is the basis of everything. That's why the previous verse we read, please put it back up, Mark 8, 36. He said, there is no profit to any man. Who gains everything, but has lost his soul. So then later on, Paul saw that there were people who have a prospered soul, but they were not prospering in their health. They were not prospering enough in their finances. They were not prospering enough in their work with God. They were not prospering enough in other things. So that is why in 3 John 2, he said to them, beloved, I am praying for you that you get it right that I, you may prosper in all things and also be in health, because I can see that your soul is prospering. So may the Lord cause us to understand the true meaning of kingdom prosperity indeed in the name of Jesus. So this is just a basis for us to know why we will be looking at these kingdom keys over the next few weeks. To understand what kingdom prosperity is and to see how each key plays a role in helping us to come into this place of all sufficiency and of all things. So learning is a vital key to experiencing kingdom prosperity. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, where we read earlier, verse 11 to verse 12. Paul was speaking to them when he talked about how they were given to him, and he said in verse 11, let's read together. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, be content. Tell your neighbor for me, learn to, learn to be content in whatever state, in whatever state you, are. you are. This is very important. This is one of the first basic principles of kingdom prosperity. Understanding the secret of contentment. Lack of contentment has driven many people to many holes that they are struggling to get out of. But when you understand the principle of contentment, Paul said, I learned it. So it's a key. That you must understand that you must learn. Contentment does not come to the natural man as a gift. You learn it. The natural flesh wants more, more, more than ever. More, more. Credit, take, more. It's your choice. It's your portion. It's your own. Take, now, now. You can do. Take, take. That's the natural man. He's never satisfied in anything. But the natural man must be submitted to the spiritual man through a process of learning. He said, not that I seek in regard to any need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? To be content. Verse 12, he began to tell them, he said, look, I know how to be abased. It means nothing to me. I know how to abound. What it means is that whether I have physical resources or I don't have physical resources, I know how to just be in those situations and yet be content." He said, everywhere and in all things, because there is a grace in all things. That's why I said, all grace is what we must understand, because there is a grace you need in the day of adversity. Believers love the grace of the day of plenty. That one is easy to walk in. It's very easy to walk in. Bless you, brother. It's so, God is so good. Everything is so nice. I just got promoted. I just, <laughs> just got the new business deal. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> that is a grace. It's good. Enjoy it. But do not forget that there could be a day of adversity. That is why the Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity. it didn't say maybe. He said if you. Because that, there is the high chance that it is coming. There's a potential. If you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. So Paul said, I have that all grace that makes whether I have or I don't have some people's spirituality is vibrant when they have physical resources. Some people are so happy the last few days of the month, their lives are just transformed. (laughs) They grin from ear to ear. Then two weeks into the new month, where you see them. A prospered man is not moved by what is in his account because he enjoys the levels of all grace. The days of plenty, the days of abase. He said, I have learned to be full and to be hungry. When there is not enough to eat, no problem. There is a way you enjoy the day of adversity. There is a grace that you understand the day of fool. Of being abounding in many. He said, both to abound and both to suffer need. This is what a kingdom prospered person's life is all about. It is not a negative prophecy to say that days of adversities are rife, it is not, to, it's not a curse to say that there are times that life does not go the way you expect. There is not a negative prophecy. There are times businesses don't perform the way you expect them to perform. There are times jobs are lost. There are times that things happen. These things are part and parcel of life. But the difference between us and those who are unsaved is the fact that we have all grace that abounds to us so that we understand that in all things we learn to be content. And the joy, unspeakable, full of glory, continues to be our portion. May the Lord continue to help you in that regard. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Learning, therefore, is a process of acquiring the appropriate information. Somebody say appropriate information. You see, many people want to learn, but you need to understand that what makes you really learn for a particular cause is to acquire the appropriate information. You acquire the appropriate information, which delivers a knowledge to you, And as you learn, as you let that knowledge become part of you, you gain more understanding. The more you think about that information, you gain more understanding. And when you have understanding, you are able to apply wisdom. That's why the Bible will always talk about wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Hallelujah. You will always see those three words. He said, In all thy getting, get understanding. Through wisdom, a house is built. Through, uh, uh, by understanding, the, the, the rooms are established. And by knowledge, they are filled with precious things. Hallelujah. Isaiah 33 verse 6 says, And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. So they all go together. Learning is what helps us to move from a place of information to knowledge, to revelation or understanding, and to wisdom. Say it again with me. Knowledge is information. Knowledge is information. Understanding, is Understanding is revelation. And wisdom is, wisdom is application. You get rewarded at the point of applying wisdom. Have you ever seen a professional, let's say a lawyer, somebody that went to a university to study law, and he studied it and, studied it and studied it and studied it, and after he finished, they gave him the certificate, they say you are now a qualified lawyer. And then they just, no job, he has not done any service, no, no job whatsoever. Then they just start to pay him. Do they pay him for that knowledge? They've not paid him for, the, they don't pay you because you carry a certificate that you know something. They pay you because you can apply what you know. That's why some people are paid without certificates. And some people have certificates and they don't pay it because it is about how you apply what you know. Praise the Lord. So learning must deliver wisdom. Learning, the goal of learning is to deliver wisdom, to take you from the information and take you to wisdom. Whether it is ministry, whether it is uh, artistry, whether it is medicine, whether it is science, whether it is sports, whether it's media. It is how what you have learned and you are learning is coming out at the other end as applied wisdom. That's why when Solomon was asked to pray for anything he wanted, he said, just give me the what? wisdom to rule this your people. He didn't say, give me the information I need. He didn't say, give me all the history about them and how they went through the wilderness and all those things. He said, just give me the wisdom. Pastor Moses was sharing with us in Power Tower powerfully today. I never heard that. God bless you. The sword came out. Everything settled. I said, that is it. The sword came out. The word of God came out. Everything settled. When the word of God comes through in any situation, wisdom is applied. The people will respect. The people will pay. So when we talk about the kingdom prosperity of learning, you and I must decide that, Lord, I don't just want to be a learner. I want to be a learner that can apply everything I am learning. Because you prosper and you are rewarded in the place of application. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May God deliver every one of us from everything that truncates our learning in the place of only knowledge. In the name of Jesus. The devil has succeeded in keeping so many people, especially in the body of Christ, to the realm of knowledge and understanding. If at all they get to understanding. A lot of people have knowledge. What does Matthew 13, 30 say? Oh, and he said, and he shall separate the wheat from the shaft. What does John 8, 12 say? And he says, for I am the light of the world. What does this say? They'll say, ha. They quote it. Praise the Lord. But you see, the true test of everything you are quoting is in the point of application. Every time that you see the challenge and you can remember the things you have learned and you can bring them to place, then that means that your learning is delivering to you and you are able to abound. That is how you will abound in health. I say you will abound in good health. That is how you will abound in the prosperity of your finances. That is how you will abound in your spirituality. That is how you will abound in your relationships. In the name of Jesus. So, learning must lead to knowledge that will yield understanding and will ultimately give us wisdom. Praise the Lord. So, learning is not an option. Learning is not an option. The day we stop learning, we start dying. You shall not die, but live to fulfill the works of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. I always like, anytime I talk about learning, I always like to quote you one of the quotes I love from Chris Morley. He said, learning, earning, and yearning are the key ingredients of life. You keep learning, then you earn. And when you earn, you yearn some more. It's a cycle. A lot of people stop when they are earning. And then they get frustrated because they are no longer learning and they are no longer yearning to learn more. They get frustrated that people are passing them by. The world is a competitive place. They put you in an office today and they say this is your space. It's because you are adding value at that point in time. The day it looks like there's somebody else that can do better. I tell you, you will start to see funny things. So you stay on your toes. It's a harsh world. Believers don't teach these things in church. We just pray and pray and pray. It's true, we should pray. But if you don't learn to move up, you stagnate yourself and you make it difficult for yourself, the Lord will keep helping us to learn. He will keep helping us to earn. And he will keep helping us to yearn some more. In the name of Jesus. This is not about participating in the rat race like I've always told you. This is not about playing the games that they play to, to just push people down, to move people up, uh, to move up. That's not what I'm talking about. But when your contribution is undeniable, it is impossible for the devil to stop your prosperity. When your contribution is clean and clear, there is nothing the devil can do about it. Listen, friends. Joseph, we celebrate Joseph today, he would have died a prisoner. What brought Joseph out was not just because he had a dream, was because he came to the place of applying the gifts that he had. And that distinguished him. There is something you and I must do. And if we are finding it difficult to do, we must go back to the place of learning. I have engaged in some courses now about learning about next stage of church growth. And ch- because God has shown me that the church will grow. But if I continue to celebrate that and I don't apply myself to learning to understand what will push it, then I can be singing it from now till Jesus comes. So you must learn. You go back in your profession, in the things that you are called to do in life. You go back, you learn. You are, you are leader of a group. What does it take? Go and look at other churches. Go and go and, and study books. What do people who make it happen, what do they do? What are the things they do? Some things may be relevant, some will not be relevant. You learn, you read books, you apply yourself, and then you begin to get keys that make it happen. Hallelujah. So learning is not an option. Ecclesiastes 10.15, the Bible says, The labor of fools wearies them, for they do not even know how to go to the city. You will keep knowing the how. I say, you will keep knowing the how in the name of Jesus. It is frustrating when you don't know how to do something. Imagine somebody that doesn't know how to drive a car. You give him a car and you just assume he knows how to drive. You just throw him the key. And then you say, meet me at next junction. And he has caught the key you have gone before he could tell you that he could not drive. Then while you are going, you just get a phone call. You say, I was trying to tell you something. What were you trying to tell me? I don't know how to drive. Even if that car is a Bentley, it makes no difference. Whether it's a Bentley or a whether or no <laughs> It makes no difference because he doesn't know how to drive. So you see, when you don't know how, it is very frustrating. And the way to know how is to learn. You see, there are certain things we have learned and we have to understand that we need to unlearn them. As we grow in life, We pick up things, we learn things from our background, from different churches, from different ways of doing things, encounters with people, different relationships. We learn some things. But you see, as we grow, we must be willing to unlearn some of them. Some of us learned that the the, the man in the house is to be chauvinistic so that when he talks, the wife keeps quiet. All the children run under the... (laughs) Some of us came from those kind of backgrounds. So some men grew up like that, and that's the picture of the man. Someone said, the man. That's the picture of the man that they have. So when they get into their house, they are warlords. The young innocent, five-year-old boy, say, hello, dad. He say, keep quiet, who are you talking to like that? (laughs) Because he's told that he shouldn't talk to his dad like that. That kind of thing has to be unlearned, has to be gotten rid of. And the person now needs to learn how to be a proper husband, a proper father. So there are certain things we need to unlearn. And then the Bible says in Deuteronomy eight verse 18 verse 9. He said, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. Some people, when they get into a new environment, they start to learn the bad things of the environment it happens a lot to immigrants that come to this country. I am always very pleased to tell my friends that I am truly grateful for my uh, engraftment into this country. I believe it's one of the greatest countries in the world. I respect the institution of Great Britain so much, and I, I thank God that I am part of it. But you know something? As good and orderly and as, you know, powerful as the systems might have proved for thousands of years, the country and the culture does have a lot of negative aspects as well. We must understand how to decipher. I used to say to friends who come from my kind of background that if you cannot learn about time management here in this country, there's no hope for you. Because many of us that came from where I came from originally have a total disregard for time. We don't understand what time management and time... Time is we, we, it's just like a cancer. But when you come into a system like this, that everything works almost perfectly to time, I tell you, time is everything. Time is everything. So we must understand it's good to learn about time, but there are certain things that we also learn. There is a lethargic spirit towards the things of God in the atmosphere. Some of us have come from very vibrant climes. On a Sunday, the, the whole spirit in the atmosphere is church, church, church. In this nation, it's not necessarily so. You have to unlearn that and make yourself apply yourself to the right things that you know works and is commanded by God in scripture. How many people understand what I'm talking about? He said you will not follow the abomination of those nations. Don't learn to follow such things. So we must know what we learn and what we must not learn. So we have to be persistent. In the last month, we talked about persistence. We talked about meekness. We talked about uh, confidence. We talked about being wise. We must learn that these things help us also in learning. Nobody can learn if they are not persistent. How many of you have tried to write an exam and you are reading for what they said the manual is and the thing? And it, it's not, you are not just understanding. What do you do? You, you leave it. You come back to it again, isn't it? And then you read it again and again and again. Then you go these days, you can go online, check other resources to help you. You remain persistent because you know you must know it to pass. It's the same way with the principles of life. You must persistently know. How do you know when you have learned something, when you see the application becoming easy? You you have learned that you have become a better husband when the woman is always telling you you are truly becoming better. That is the gauge. It's not when you think you are becoming better. That is like doing an exam and writing the coursework yourself and assessing it yourself. You know you are becoming better and you have learned because the other person at the other end is saying, and it works vice versa. So what I'm trying to say is that we must continue to apply ourselves persistently. Then you go back and learn some more. We must be meek. You must be willing to identify what you don't know. This air of arrogance that People put and pretend as if they've known all everything. is a demonic spirit to deny people of the power of learning. You and I must be meek enough to know that this is what we know and this is what we don't know. There are certain decisions I don't take in this church, no matter what it is that I don't consult certain people. Because I don't know about those things. If it comes, and the the moment they say, give us an answer now, I say, no, I have to speak to somebody first because it is not an area of my expertise. So I make sure that, and then when the person is also giving the counsel, I learn in case there are times that I might be able to handle such things without necessarily having to disturb them as well. But I learn, and I am willing to say I want to learn some more. Every one of us must be willing to say we are meek enough to want to learn some more. May God help us with the spirit of meekness. In the name of Jesus. These are very, very vital truths. We need to have a degree of confidence to learn. Too little confidence will mean that we will always feel we cannot learn. Too much confidence, again, will mean that we will not learn anything. The Bible says in Romans 12 that none of us must feel more highly than we ought to. Praise the Lord. It is important that we are wise and we are strategic in learning so that we can learn the godly way. There are a few ways God wants us to learn. You see, the first thing God wants us to learn from is to learn from the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Say with me, the Godhead. You see, God the Father must always be seen in the light of his love and calling for us. The Bible says, for God the Father so loved the world and he gave. The reason he gave is so that anyone who believes can receive eternal life. So every time you read the Bible, I want to say this very carefully. Many of us read the Bible and we just read about God, which is true. But you see, there is God the Father, there is God the Son, there is God the Holy Spirit. Are we saying there are three gods? No. They are one and the same, but they have individual functions and individual personalities in that Godhead. This is what the human mind cannot comprehend. God the Father, every time you read the Bible, what he wants you to be learning is about his love for you. Keep learning his love for you. When you learn the love of the Father from reading the Bible, it gives you an assurance. How many people understand that children that know that their parents love them are always confident anywhere? When they are in school, they are confident. When other people are talking, you say, I will tell my papa. (laughs) Because his papa can solve every problem. (laughs) Hallelujah. Anyone that knows that he is loved is always at rest. The love of a father is assuring. It makes you confident. It makes you bold. So when you are reading scripture, always try to learn. He's always speaking about his love for you. He's always expressing it from Genesis to Revelation. He's expressing his love for you in different ways. He shows how. He shows compassion and so on and so forth. Every time you are reading about Jesus Christ, understand that Jesus Christ has loved you and has sacrificed for you. The sacrifice of Jesus means that he has helped us to to stop carrying some of the burdens that we carry today, Hallelujah. For the Father, John six forty-five. He said, "It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God." Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. This is Jesus speaking. When people learn from the Father that He loves them, He comes to Him. But what does He do? Mark Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight. This is what Jesus now said: When you know the love of the Father. For you to learn to be strong and prosperous, you must do this. Jesus said in verse 28, let's read together. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus, say to your neighbor for me, Jesus is your burden bearer. Keep Keep casting your cares on him. Learn it from today. Every time you read scriptures, this is what you find. He said, I am the light of the world. Anyone that follows me, even though he was in darkness, he shall have the light of life. I am the bread of life. Anyone who is hungry and comes to me, he shall be filled. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the gate. Anyone that comes into me and goes out is always about relieving your burden. This is why he came. When you learn that about him, it solves the problem of anxiety in life. There is no anxious person that can ever be successful. Your mind must be at rest at every time to think about big things and big ideas. So the devil always tries to rob the believers of this understanding of the love of the Father and learning it and the love of Jesus and his sacrifice and learning it. Then the third personality is who? The Holy Spirit. His own work is to guide and instruct. We learn about the love of the Father, the sacrifice of Jesus to carry our burdens, But we must understand that we are able to do what we ought to be doing by learning about the guidance of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 verse 26. He said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? Teach you what? Did you see the word all there again? Can you see the word all there again? There is nothing that God is not able to teach you he will teach you all things all things so you must know how to contact a relationship with the holy spirit to keep learning all things when i think it was dr ruth this today about to start the song for the ministration he said one of the things that the holy spirit does is to keep telling you this is the way this is the way Walk in it. Isaiah chapter 32. He said, you shall hear the voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. You have two investment options to make. This is the one. Even though this one is not looking it. Even though the brokers are telling you this is not the one. Every investor, every principal says that is not the one. The Holy Spirit says that is the way. You want to go into ministry and to start something. And the, the, the whole climate is saying that it is impossible. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit, that is the one. Walk in it. Or everybody is suggesting and saying, that is what to do. The Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. This is what you should do, walk in it. Every time you let the Holy, the Bible says, he is the helper. His name is called the Holy Spirit. The Father who loves you sends it in the name of Jesus who has laid his life for you and sacrificially given you the abundance of everything. He said he will come in Jesus' name and teach you all things. Hallelujah. From today, nothing in your profession will ever be confusing to you again. He will teach you all things in the name of Jesus. Learn to know how to hear the Holy Spirit. And watch him continue to guide you. Hallelujah. So the first major way of learning is learning from the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What must you remember about the Father? His love for you. What must you remember about Jesus? His sacrifice. What must you remember about the Holy Spirit? His guidance, his instructions. Hallelujah. Secondly, we can learn through others, especially through mentorship. I like what Mike Murdock said about mentorship. He said mentorship is gaining experience without the wasted time of waiting. There is a place you have to wait for something, but there are certain things you don't have to wait for. You don't have to wait for There are some things now that my my children will not wait for again. It's impossible because I have done the waiting for them. (laughs) For surely they don't have to wait for citizenship again. I waited. (laughs) I waited a few years. (laughs) But you see, they don't have to wait. They walk into it. And that is how life goes. So there is a place where mentors are. But you see, the devil doesn't like us to discuss with mentors. So he uses many strategies. He causes mentors to fail you at times or to be difficult to see or to have let you down. So many people are closed in. There are many people who carry about questions that can be so easily answered by the person sitting next to them. But many times they don't know because everybody is usually closed in. It is a a cancer in the body of Christ today that we must get rid of. Hallelujah. There is always somebody who on this planet who has the solution to the biggest problem and the biggest challenge that you may have in life. There is always somebody who has a solution. That person usually might be around you. And at times, they may be far. But you need to identify them and to keep following them. And they exist in different ways and different aspects of your life. Mentorship is very important. We need to go and read the autobiographies of men. When I was going into ministry, I read about ministry, and I'm still studying about the biographies of church planters of old and of our contemporary times. People who planted the kind of work that I believe God is calling me to plant. I read their biographies. I followed their stories. I read about a man called Bishop David Oyedeho who sold the only car he had in 1990. The only car that mattered to him that time. He sold it because the church was offering, uh, was building a sanctuary. A sanctuary that was to seat 5,000 people at that time. Only 5,000. Today, that is like one of their smallest sanctuaries in that ministry. They have ministries. They have, in London there, they have, a, I was party to be privileged to be part of their building work. They have a, a, a sitter there that sits almost 5,000. In London, in Birmingham, they're about to do the same thing. And they have ministry. In the place he pastors now, they sit 50,000 inside. 100,000 and so outside for six services. But those days, the church was at a 5,000, 10,000 people level. He gave it the only car he had. And he used to say it at those days. He used to say, you know something? Very soon we'll be flying. Some of you will be saying that we are cheating. <laughs> he said we'll be flying. Some of you will be saying that we are cheating. So I learned that my work is to keep sewing like a madman. <laughs> you may not like that, but that is the reality. When you sew like a crazy man. I read of my old father David in the, in the, in the Bible that he sold like a crazy man. He brought things, gold, he said, I have it. Silver, he said, I have it. That is how a man, a person proves their love for God. We must learn from the autobiographies of those people. People like to hear the stories of people and see how they've got there. But they don't understand that. You need to understand their sacrifice as well. I was counseling somebody in the week. I said, you see a marriage of somebody for 10 years and you just like it and you are trying to get married now and you think that your marriage will just work like that. I said, go and ask them, how did you start? What have you been going through? What are you still going through? There is a sacrifice. People must learn. Read about the stories of people and help yourself to learn so that God can take you to the place of your own prosperity. May you continue to prosper in him. In the name of Jesus. It was Peter Daniels that said the autobiographies of men help us to overcome incredible odds. When you understand the stories of men who nearly gave up, people like Thomas Edison who refused to give up at 999 times, as we always say, in the invention of the light bulb, and at the 1,000th time, he got it. They said, what gave you the confidence? He said, I've not done anything wrong. I only learned 999 ways of not doing it. The 1,000th time became the breakthrough. The past is a good place to always learn from. Your gift of today will help you shape tomorrow, but it is your information from the past that helps you strategize from today. Your gift of today, that's why we call today the present. It's a present. The gift of today will help you shape tomorrow, but it is your information from the past that will help you strategize today to build the future that you desire to see. Get information, keep learning, and may the Lord continue to establish you Romans 15.4, that is the scripture for the past. For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning. They were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. Finally, we need to learn by observation. Everywhere you go, just keep your eyes open. There's always something to learn. You can learn from a little child. You can learn from two little children just doing something. The Holy Spirit can speak to you and say, This is what you need to learn from that. Proverbs 6 6 says we should go to the ant. He says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Learn from the ant. How many of us have seen ants here? Not everybody. Go, go to National Geographic. I can't tell you more than that. <laughs> go to National Geographic and say different ants, uh, or go to the website or YouTube or something. And you will see the different things about the ant. But the Bible says about the ant. He said, consider our ways and be wise. Verse 7 says, which having no captain, overseer or ruler. That means he takes ownership of his own progress. He provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. We must learn to understand that there are things that God places around us every time. That's why Jesus said, learn from me. Learn from me. May the Lord continue to help us to learn. In the name of Jesus. There is a spirit in the atmosphere that tries to choke learning. Or get people to be learning unnecessary things. God will deliver us from such spirits. In the name of Jesus. Don't waste your time. Every time you are reading something, ask yourself, what is this adding to me? You are watching something, what is this adding to me? Some of us can spend nine hours watching movies that are not adding anything to us. One after the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. If you spend just one hour reading a book about your profession that will take you to the next level, what you will add to yourself will m- announce you more. They will not ask you that which actor acted something. in. Uh, <laughs> that's not what they will ask you at work. They will ask you, what, what is, what is this, this challenge we have now? They bring challenge to you. They, they, they will bring problems that people will not find easy to solve. They will bring it to you because they know that you will do something about it. That is what will establish you. That is what will advance you. Hallelujah. Some of the people you do business with, learn from them. They will tell you what you do that makes them continue to come back to you. Treasure it. Do it some more. Those of you who are in business. These are important secrets that help us to make the prosperity that God wants for us. Learn from your body. You cannot treat your body as a 45-year-old. Don't treat your body as you were treating it when you were 25. You sat anywhere, drank anything, ate anything, jumped anywhere. You have to. When you want to stand up, you calculate yourself very well. (laughs) Let's rise to our feet.